Good morning, St Mark's. It's great to be with you this morning at home. Uh, this is the nicest corner of my home. I tidied it, especially this morning. But we are back in the Book of Acts today, and we keep on saying that we've been in Acts, dipping in and out for a, a few years, and I looked it up, and it's actually the fourth year in a row that, that we're back to the Book of Acts. And I think that's probably um, partly just because there's so much good stuff in it, we don't want to miss anything out. Um, but we're in Acts chapter 22 today, and so if you've just tuned in, maybe pause the video um, and have a read through just so you know what's going on. But just to give you all a little bit of context, because if you're anything like me, um, I find it actually really hard to keep up and keep track of what's going on in the book of Acts, um, to know whereabouts Paul is or, or what he's doing or how many times he's been arrested now. It's, it's so fast paced, isn't it? And so just to explain what's happened, um, just running up to this chapter in, in chapter 21, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he keeps on um, meeting people who warn him against going there, who have this sense from the Holy Spirit that danger awaits in Jerusalem. And even he himself feels that same sense of, of something, um, kind of some kind of danger kind of coming up. But he goes anyway because he knows that that's where he's called to go. And so at the end of chapter 21, we find Paul in um, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And he, he is spotted by some, some people who, who say, aren't, aren't you the person who has been teaching against us and teaching against our people and against our God and against the Jewish law? And these people, they, they kind of rile up everyone else and, and kind of form this angry crowd, this mob uh, of people who, who try and attack Paul and who, who try and kill him. And it's, it's really quite a, a distressing kind of end to the chapter if, if you're kind of reading it and imagining what was going on. Um, the brutality, the, the anger coming, coming from these people. And Paul is, I guess in one sense, kind of rescued by um, some Roman soldiers who come along and who break up the, the fight. Um, and he, he's arrested, Paul is arrested by these soldiers. Um, I'm not sure why soldiers don't also arrest everyone else who's trying to kill him. But Paul's arrested and these soldiers start to take him to their barracks. But Paul stops them, and, and this is where we come to chapter 2. Paul says, can I just say something to this crowd of people before we go? And chapter 22 is basically Paul's defence, his, his explanation of, of why he's not teaching against their, their people, why he's not teaching against their God, why he's not teaching against the Jewish law. But more than that, it's, this chapter is his testimony. It's, it's the story of how God has worked in his life, and the difference which Jesus has made in his life. And, you know, the story of, of Saul or Paul's conversion, um, or well, we can find it in more detail in, in chapter 29, um, chapter 9 of Acts. Um, and so in one sense, we could just, we could have just skipped over this chapter and said, kind of head back to the podcast. Um, I looked it up, it was uh, in July 2017, if you wanted to hear about that again. But I think there's something really important about the context in which Paul is sharing his testimony in this chapter, which is particularly relevant for us today, particularly pertinent for us today in the context which we find ourselves in. Because Paul is standing on the steps of these barracks with an angry crowd in front of him who want to kill him. And 
and behind him um, is the prospect of a flogging and of interrogation and really torture by the Roman army. This is about as bad as it gets. This is um, great opposition which Paul is facing right now. And I guess it feels like um, for a lot of us we're, we're in a season of opposition too aren't we today? And I know that it's it's not anything like Paul, which was like, like that which Paul was experiencing, um, uh, particularly given we, we probably don't find ourselves surrounded by crowds of people at all at the moment. But there are times in our lives, aren't there, when we'll face opposition specifically for our faith, um, when we'll have to defend why it is we believe what we believe and why we live the way in which we do live. But also, more widely than that, it it does it feels like we're in we're in opposition now, aren't we? We're we're in this this season of challenge, and although there are opportunities for some of us in it, and there are encouragements to share and to be had, and things to celebrate, um, what kind of stuff which God is doing even now. At the same time, ugh, it does feel really hard at times, doesn't it? It does feel really tough. It feels um, it feels frustrating. It feels. Um, at least I feel like I have to be far more intentional about about choosing to trust God in this time and choosing to remember his goodness and choosing to remember that he's for me. And so I guess the question for us today is, um, is what do we do when, when we're in these, these times of opposition and when we're in these times of, of challenge and, and feeling surrounded by, by opposition and things which aren't for us? And if we look to Paul and Paul's example, Paul not only holds on to what God has done in his life, but he speaks it out as well. He he proclaims it. He stands on the steps and addresses um, addresses these people. He addresses them humbly. He calls them brothers and fathers. And he says, this is what God has done in my life. This is the work which Jesus has done in me, the same God which you worship, the God of our ancestors, ancestors, who's revealed himself in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the righteous one in whom all prophecies have been fulfilled. It's the age-old question which we always ask at Alpha. This is the difference which Jesus has made to my life. And I think there are two specific encouragements for us to take from Paul's testimony. Um, for us to hold on to today, firstly, that, that God will use where we've come from. And secondly, that God transforms where we're going. Firstly, God will use where we've come from. He will use our pasts. He'll use our brokenness, our, our past experiences, our backgrounds. Nothing is beyond God's, um, God's redemption and God's power. Paul isn't oblivious to the irony of his past here. Um, you know, God chose to use this man who had been so totally opposed to the gospel, totally opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ to ultimately advance that gospel around the world. And if you look down to verse three, Paul's saying to the people, I am a Jew. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for, for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Paul was trying to explain to the crowd that 
He was just like one of them. He, he was just as zealous for God and for the Jewish law as any of them were. He would have been just as angry if he'd seen someone disrespecting that law. He wasn't trying to antagonise the crowd or to like, make himself seem superior to them as a result of this experience which he had on the road to Damascus, um, this encounter with Jesus. He was identifying with them. He was saying, I get it, I'm, I'm one of you, I, I get how you're feeling. And if it wasn't for this divine encounter on the road to Damascus, then I'd be exactly with you in that crowd today. And it's because Paul identifies with these people, because he, um, he associates himself with them, that he's able to make his defence and he's able to, um, to tell his story with, with real sensitivity and with a real humility and a real appropriateness to the context. You know, in, in the book of 1 Peter, in chapter 3, it says, always be prepared to give an answer um, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. And this is an opportunity that we have too today, isn't it? To identify with people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus and to share something of our story with them. To say, look at the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And, you know, sometimes God calls us to new places. He, he did that with, with Paul. He, he sent him far away to the Gentiles. But perhaps more often than not, um, God uses us in our familiar contexts. With people that, that we've known for a long time, with, with school friends, with family members, with colleagues, with neighbours who we've lived next door to for years. Because it's sometimes in those places that, that God's redemptive power is most visible. When, when people can see the difference um, from before we were Christians to after we've met Jesus. It's that tangible difference that God makes in our lives. That, that those are the people who will be able to see it. And will be able to know that something's changed. I was... Um, I guess I'd say, like, for, for a number of years, I would say I was painfully shy when I was growing up um, as a teenager, and I would often find it very difficult to talk to people who, um, who weren't my family or close friends. To I would blush at the slightest thing, and, um, oh, you know, it just painful, painfully awkward. You could kind of feel it in the atmosphere sometimes, I'd say. Um, and so, you know... The irony when a few years ago I came to St Mark's and I felt like I should join the youth team and I'm not really even sure why I felt like that but I did and um, you know joining the youth team it, it brought it brought up a lot of old feelings it brought up a lot of old insecurities it brought up a lot of memories of, of that time as a teenager but do you know it was one of the best decisions that I made to be a part of that team and to, to um, be with our teenagers in St Mark's and to have the opportunity to invest in their lives and to walk with them and even to identify with some of them and and to be able to say to some of them I get it I know what you're you're feeling like I've, I've felt like that too and, and and this is what God has done in my life and um, to be able to pray with them through through the stuff which they're walking through as well. 
God will use where we've come from. And secondly, God transforms where we're going into eternity, um, but also in the present as well. He transforms um, our calling, but also our, our very selves. Um, we receive this new calling, this new commission. Look into verse 14. The God of our ancestors has chosen you, Paul, to, to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Following Jesus might not change our jobs. It might not change our friendship groups. It certainly doesn't always make things easier in our lives. If you carry on reading chapter 22, um, the crowd basically rejects Paul's testimony. They they try and attack him again, and he goes on to face a number of trials. But following Jesus does change the way in which we live our day-to-day -day lives. And day-to-day, -day, that builds up and it, it changes where we're going. We're called and we're commissioned to be God's witnesses to all people of what we've seen and heard. We're called to share our stories to, to tell of the difference which Jesus has made and which he continues to make in our lives. And for some of us, that might feel a little bit self-indulgent or it might even feel arrogant to... Um, but, but these are stories which actually point to God's power. And I think, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have, have often read Paul's letters to the churches in the New Testament and, and thought Paul comes across a little bit arrogant at times. He's a little bit boastful of, of all of the, um, the work which God's done in his life, and he talks about himself quite a lot. Um, but actually, Paul is incredibly humble. He, he talks about himself because he, he wants to point people to the powerful work which God has done in his life. He's basically saying, I'm living proof of God's grace and God's power because I remember what I was like before and, and nothing else, no one else, could have caused such a significant transformation in my life, in my calling and my priorities. And we can be living proof of God's grace and his power too, can't we? I mentioned about my being shy and actually that stayed with me for a long time and, you know, is, is even something which I still struggle with at times and it has gotten way better thankfully um i can have conversations with people without turning into a giant tomato um but really just up until a few years ago i i would still regularly have kind of mind blanks and would feel incredibly frustrated um by this inability to articulate myself confidently in some situations and when i joined the youth group i think i kind of thought the <laughs> these people are probably like who on earth is this person she doesn't say anything why has she joined um the most relational team uh at st mark's but part of my story is the powerful work which god has done in me to break the chains of shyness by the power of his holy spirit in my life working in me and you know i feel the irony of being in a, in a job now where, where I speak and, and where I communicate and talk and you know, this is definitely still an ongoing work which God is doing. But God, he doesn't wait 
to, for, for perfect people, does he? he? He calls us and he commissions us and he uses us just as we are. As that points to his grace and to his power all the more. And, and it's in those moments and those experiences of responding to his call and, and of being obedient to his direction in our lives that, that transformation comes along the way. Jesus Christ died for us so that we could be free from the chains and the grip of sin and death, so that we could have a sure hope of eternity with him, and so that we could experience transformation in this life, in, in our, both our calling and in ourselves too, transformation which points to God's grace and to God's power. What's your story? We all have them, don't we? They're, they're still being written. Uh, maybe maybe some of you were right at the start of, of your Christian story. Uh, some of ours are longer than others. Uh, some of them more dramatic than others. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, an undramatic, um, kind of constant walking with the Lord from a young age. That points to God's grace and to God's kindness uh, just as much as any other story does. And you know, it's in these moments and these seasons of opposition like we face today that it's all the more helpful to hold on to these stories, to, um, to remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives and to um, remind ourselves of his faithfulness, of his grace, of his power. And not only to hold on to that ourselves, but to proclaim it, to, to speak it out. Um, because in, in the face of opposition today, in, in lockdown and isolation, we have the best story to tell, don't we? In the middle of social distancing and of um, intense days working from home and, and um, just frustrations and chaotic homeschooling and, and loneliness and feeling far from people, we, we're able to identify with those feelings and those frustrations and those fears which our friends and our families and our colleagues are experiencing right now. But we're able to offer some hope and encouragement to them in this time. And so if you're meeting in your cell groups um, right now, then uh, when we kind of go back into those groups in a few moments, why don't you share some part of your stories with each other, uh, an encouragement for each other of how God has worked in your life, um, of the work which he has done, which he continues to do. And maybe, or maybe have a think about how you might be able to share some of, some of, some of those things with, with other people, how you might be able to um, bring encouragement to others in your life over this next week and what that might look like for you. And pray for each other. Um, but let me pray for us all now. Father God, we're so thankful and we're so grateful for your grace. That when we were still far from you, Jesus died for us on the cross. To set us free from, from sin and from shame and from, from death and all of the things which... Um, which chain us down, Lord. We, we're, we're so thankful for the freedom which, which you bring us. And we're so thankful for that grace in our lives. And 
Lord, we're thankful for your power too. We're thankful that you don't leave us as we are. We're thankful that you don't um, leave us to fend for ourselves and um, that you give us your Holy Spirit to be with us always, to walk with us, to equip us uh, for the things which you call us to, to comfort us when we're, when we're struggling. And Lord, we pray now for, for any of us who are, who are, who are not kind of, who are struggling to to hold on to that hope which we have in you today, who are who are feeling discouraged today, Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you move in our lives, in our hearts again? Would you refresh us by the power of your Spirit? Would you remind us who you are? Would you remind us of what you've done in our lives? Would you would would you kind of lift our spirits today? And we pray as well, that you would equip us to be people who share our stories with others, who who bring encouragement and hope to those around us. Uh, would you give us discerning eyes today, Lord? Would you um, help us to see who you want us to be speaking to? Bring people to mind even now, people who we might be able to phone today or, or, or speak to in this coming week. Father God, thank you that we have the best story to share because of what you have done for us and the powerful work which you've done once for all but in each of our lives and the ongoing work which you do. In Jesus' name, amen.